It is really good to be back here in Palos Verdes and to be here at the church, coming to you uh, as we bring you worship through our virtual opportunity online. I returned home late last night. Actually, it was after 11 o'clock when I finally got in the door. As soon as I was in, I began to hear that persistent, occasional beep coming from one of the smoke detectors indicating a weak battery. Having dealt with that, I realized I came home to a house pretty much empty of food. There was nothing in the refrigerator except a jar of pickles and some condiments, and no drinks or any other kinds of beverages, so uh, I realized I was going to have my work cut out for me in the morning. When I awoke this morning, I was unusually hungry, not because I hadn't eaten, but because the thought of not having food in the house uh, was nagging at me, so I had to shower and get out to the grocery this morning. Now, all that is just a first world problem. It's no big deal. But we do think a lot about food. Whether it's in a restaurant, at home, or with company, we spend a lot of time thinking about food. We plan, purchase, and prepare. Then we eat. And then our body takes over from there, processing everything for our physical well-being and energy. A man was trying to teach his dog to live without eating. One day, he was approached by a friend who asked, how are you getting on with your experiment? To which the earnest and budding scientist replied, I was getting on real well, but just as the dog was learning to live without eating, he died. Food, that which nourishes us, is so important. Friends, our daily Physical dependence on food leads me to ask, what do we truly need to get through life? The great English historian Arnold Toynbee made this singular observation many years ago. Civilization is a movement and not a condition, a voyage and not a harbor. How true that is for our church as well. We are on a journey our whole life long. And let us not forget our our pilgrim ancestors who set out on an incredible journey of faith for the new world, planting the seeds for both religious and political freedom. And let me remind you, in a time and society where we want everything right now, that the average speed of the Mayflower during much of the voyage across the Atlantic to America was two miles an hour. And as the Chinese sage Lao Tzu put it, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Each new day is the next step on our lifelong journey. And when we are open, we do so in faith. Faith is not something that is handed down to us, prepackaged as if, We are to accept it on the authority of some institution or even some book. Faith begins when we begin the journey, like those those three characters and their journey to the Wizard of Oz, or those three magi in their journey to the Christ at Bethlehem. Faith is a journey, a journey fraught with challenges, adventure, and surprise. In his book, Still the trumpet sounds. J. Wallace Hamilton writes, 
I once stood in that old frame church in Richmond, Virginia, with its old-fashioned boxed-in pews. I shut my eyes and heard a man say again, Give me liberty or give me death. And I thought how fitting it was it was that he said it in a church. For that's where it was born. Not on a battlefield, not in a political rally, but in the matrix of humankind's stubborn faith. It did not start in Richmond, nor Valley Forge, nor Philadelphia. You see, in its beginning, way back in Egypt, where Moses, believing in the living God, and that we were made in God's likeness. It was a people who set out to be free. Let my people go, said Moses. The fierce spirit of liberty has always been at the core of our Hebrew Christian faith. For us as Christians, it is at the communion table, the communion table here, that we find full freedom in, with, and for Christ. Jesus' life and ministry is a true journey, full of ups and downs, trials and rejoicing, yet he never took his eyes off the course. One of my favorite books, which is incredibly awe-inspiring, is Lauren Isley's The Immense Journey. Listen to what he expresses about the journey. Through how many dimensions and how many media will life have to pass? Down how many roads among the stars must we propel ourselves in search of the final secret? The journey is difficult, immense, and at times impossible. Yet, that will not deter some of us from attempting it. We cannot know all that has happened in the past or the reason for all of these events any more than we can with surety, discern what lies ahead. We have joined the caravan. You might say, at at a certain point, we will travel as far as we can, but we cannot in one lifetime see all that we would like to see or learn all that we hunger to know. Yes, we are part of the great Christian caravan of faith setting out on a journey in our time and place. And that is always scary and exciting, especially as we navigate these uncertain times of pandemic and regathering of outward expansion and opening up and inward tightening. And this seems to be going back and forth with this recent mask mandate for indoor gatherings. So what will we need as food, as as nourishment, as sustenance for the journey? You know, sometimes I think we live from hand to mouth spiritually. But as we reclaim our journey today, let's remember it's our mouth and God's hand. Faith and trust in God's incredible goodness and knowing that God hangs with us no matter what is part of the answer. And one of the things I've really missed over the last year and a half is partaking in the sacrament of communion together as a church family. Those experiences go beyond words and put us in touch with deeper realities and connections than we can ever speak out loud. I am convinced that in the very near future, 
we will be able to celebrate communion in person. This recent hiccup with the masks is causing us to perhaps have to wait a little longer. And yet, as I reflect on it, I believe one of the answers to the question, what food will nourish us on the journey, is Sunday dinner with family. I mean, after all, there are always other things calling for our attention. Kids have play and friends, lessons and sports. They have a whole life apart from the family, which is interrupted when they're called for dinner. Sometimes they protest until the moment when they sit down to eat. They don't realize how hungry they are or at times how separated from one another they've become until they sit down at the table. Once there, they are fed by the same hands that have fed them thousands of times before, drawn back into the care and nurture of the people who brought them into this world and in connection with whom they have become themselves. And brothers and sisters to one another, there at the table together, our memory of who we are is strengthened. And through shared family stories, we reflect our history with each other and our commitment to a common life. Now, prior to the pandemic, here at the Neighborhood Church, we practiced the tradition of having communion once a month. As God encounters us through the word preached, so too, God encounters us in the word made flesh and made present at the communion table. Now, I'm speaking symbolically, but we cannot expect to be fed if we fail to show up for dinner. We cannot wonder why we are malnourished when we gorge ourselves on junk food and then neglect the spiritual food at Christ's table. This summer, we have had grandchildren around, and like many people, and like my parents before, Michelle and I insist on regular family meals together. When our kids were younger, they complained about them, just like I did many years before. But now that my children have children of their own, they affirm the need for family meals together. Our experience at the communion table is much the same. We are nourished, not primarily by the juice and bread, but by the host at whose table we gather, at whose invitation we come to experience once again how greatly we are loved and how much we have been given. We are nourished as well by the company of, of sisters and brothers, not just the friends we might have chosen, but all of those who are made sisters and brothers to us because we have all responded to the one invitation. Together. Together we receive the life of Christ with gratitude. And we share the bread and cup with generosity. At the table, we find both the presence of Christ who calls us and the company of the family with whom we gather nourishing. And over time, we discover that we are sustained by such simple and ordinary fare. If we want to be nourished by the presence of a loving and faithful God, our family of faith will need to show up for Sunday dinner.
as we move into an uncertain and uncharted future with the reopening of our society. I sense our need to regather regularly at the table. For if we don't come, it might be harder to experience our belonging to God and one another. But this is not just any meal. It is only in being called to the table of Christ by this common one we follow and being fed there that we recognize who we are and that we are joined to one another. If we want to fast, let it be from all the other things we believe can fill us apart from Christ, but which can never fully satisfy. Quite frankly, quite frankly, I'm famished. Thank God. Dinner is coming soon to a church near you. The neighborhood church. Amen.